Um, Danielle and I uh, were married at 21 and 20 years old. And before we got married, we talked about and dreamed about children and about um, what, it would, what it would look like and what, what we thought and what the dream might be. And, um, you know, we thought, well, it would be great to have some boys and, and then maybe have a girl later on. And strangely enough, it turned out that way. It doesn't happen that way with most things we pray about or think about. But in this case, it did turn, turn out that way. But uh, we also prayed that God would allow us to have about five years before we'd have children. Again, 21, 20 years old. We knew there was a lot we needed to get through and, and get founded. Um, but we were open. We were open the whole time for children. Um, and so about three years into that, we started asking some questions. and started talking to each other and talking to the gods. Like, okay, Lord, is everything okay? Is there anything wrong with my body or her body? Is there a reason why she's not pregnant? And, and sure enough, uh, about four years into it, um, she became pregnant with, with Blake and turned out to be right around five years. Uh, and so, um, just a little side note is sometimes we pray things and ask God to do things, and then you can kind of forget about it. And then later on, God ends up saying, you know, this is, what, this is the desire that I put on your heart uh, way back in the beginning anyway. And um, it, it just symbolized our heart that we loved, we loved the, the thought of having children. We didn't know the children yet, but we were excited about uh, Danielle becoming pregnant and um, wondering why it hadn't happened yet. And we know that in, in this room, I mean, there's, there's folks in here, you guys are single, folks are engaged, uh, folks, y'all are students. And so, I mean, that's just something farther down the, the path for you. But I know that there's some of y'all who you're married and you've actively pursued uh, pregnancy and, and either pregnancy has not taken place, you've had infertility problems, um, and, or um, you've had miscarriages and you've, you've lost babies. And we know how difficult that is um, when, when that takes place. And all of that meshes in in understanding that God loves babies. He loves the babies that are born and he loves unborn babies as well. So what I want to do, um, first of all, is point you to Psalm 127, verse 3. that says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And so as we press forward into things, and, and as you start, we start talking about unplanned pregnancies and undesired pregnancies or, preg- or um, other, other, other ways and, and forms of, uh, of, of when children come into this world or almost come into this world is to know straight up God loves children. The children are a blessing. Every single one of them, they're a blessing from the Lord. And uh, no matter how they get here, God loves babies. But we want, we want to talk about the travesty of abortion. Um, here's some things for, for you guys to, to process through with me. Um, did you know that America is the, has the third largest populace uh, of all the countries? Um, the, uh, the first one, of course, is China, which has 1.3 billion people in it. India has 1.2 billion. U- the U.S. is third in its population. Um, with a couple of years ago, the figures were about 315,000, excuse me, 315 million people in the United States. Now, guys, take that and, and understand the scope of that, and I can't even, I can't even 
wrap my head around 315 million people. But think about this. Since, since abortions became legalized in 1973, there have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 55 million abortions. Now, if you do the ratio and the math of that, and you divide that out, that means there's about 17% of our current population that's not here because of, of abortions. Um, guys, that's a huge amount. I mean, I, I can't quite comprehend um, the amount uh, that I believe it's 10,000, 10,000 abortions in Alabama just last year. I can't comprehend 10,000 babies not being here, much less over this, these last uh, decades, 55 million. Um, here's some stats that come from Choose Life and uh, from Abort73.com and some others that I mentioned to you is that nearly half of the pregnancies among American women are unintended, okay? So not planned. More than half of them. Of those half, about four in ten of those that are unintended are terminated by abortion. Again, there was over 10,000 abortions just in Alabama alone last year. Um, I think it's interesting, again, that with, uh, with Choose Life, this organization right here in Huntsville, Alabama, 4,600 women were served last year. I mean, you compare that just to the state numbers of abortions, and at least you see there is a, there's, a, there's a big dent being made in there. There is an impact, a compassionate impact through the gospel uh, of, of ministering to, to these ladies and also to, uh, to the fathers as well. Um, from abort73.com um, in 2009 85% of all abortions were performed on unmarried women and so that's the majority of where it takes place uh, on the average women give at least three reasons for choosing abortion three quarters of the ladies will say that having a baby will interfere with work or school or other responsibilities um, uh, there's others uh, that say they can't afford a child. Uh, and then the third big reason is they say that they don't want to be a single parent or they're having problems with their husband or the father, the father of the, the child. Only 12% of women included a physical problem with their, with their health among the reasons for having an abortion. So overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly it was for reasons other than there is a, there's a huge health problem that, that is spurring me toward having an abortion. 88 to 92% of all abortions happen within the first trimester, so that's prior to the 13th week of gestation. In 2009, 7% of all abortions were performed at 14 to 20 weeks gestation, and only 1.3% were performed uh, after 21, 21 weeks. Um, we talk about minors versus adults. 40% of minors having an abortion report that neither of their parents knew about the abortion. This is a, that's a nationwide statistic. 40% of minors, these girls who have these abortions, say their parents have no idea about it. Um, there are only 35 states that currently enforce parental consent or notification uh, laws for minors seeking an abortion. Alabama is one of those. 
uh, that, that enforce parental consent. These are just the statistics. These are just the facts of what's going on in our nation. And um, guys, I, I want us to rally around the truth that life is precious to God, that God loves people. He loves men. He loves women. He loves students. He loves babies. He loves babies that are born. He loves babies that are unborn. And I want us to take a look at the Bible, what it has to say about the sanctity of human life, and in particular, the preciousness of babies. Uh, We can begin in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, The Ten Commandments um, can be viewed um, in, in a way that it shows that it's telling you how to live life with God and how to live life with others. Um, again, when Jesus had a summation of the law, he said, you're to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He basically brought all the Ten Commandments and said, you're, this is the way you relate to God, and it's the way you relate to others. Well, one of the ones um, that talks about relating to others, Exodus 20, verse 13, it says, you shall not murder you shall not murder. Genesis 9, verse 6, it was said early, and Moses was one of the one. I mean, he's the one that wrote this um, as, the Lord, uh, as the Lord gave him the information. Um, says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own aim, image. Uh, the Latin phrase imago Dei means the image of God. That as you look and you, and you see someone and they, you know, they have... They have emotions, they have feeling, they have your heart, and they've got a mind. That these things are reflections of God Himself. That they may not be a Christian, or they may be a Christian, but any person that you ever see has the image of God upon them. That doesn't make them a child of God, it doesn't make them forgiven, but it does mean that, man, there is reflections of God Almighty that's within them. And, and God's saying that because of that and that alone, do not murder. Do not murder. The Lord gave Moses um, some laws that protected the unborn. In Exodus 21, verses 22 to 25, it says, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that, their ch- so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the, hus- as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge's Determine. Okay, so let's stop in that portion for just a second. Basically, that's saying it's not okay to treat a woman who's pregnant badly. Even back in those days, these patriarchal days, where especially other cultures, they, they had almost disregard for women and even children. That God was settling in the very beginning, founding that women are women are precious, children are precious, and the unborn. Are precious, and if and if something happens, and that and that wife ha, uh, that that mom gives birth as a result of some kind of damage that's done to her, there's going to be punishment for that. But let's go a little further. But if there's harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Basically, here's here's what's being said in there. If you want to get to the core of it, that's a life, that's a person. That's in there. That we should love and respect. And the same image of God is on what, what some would say fetus or embryo. It's a life. It's a boy or it's a girl that's in there. Um, a personal 
or a national philosophy that embraces killing of children, whether they're born or unborn, according to the Bible, is demonic. It's actually demonic. Um, Leviticus 18.21 says this, You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And in Leviticus 20, just a couple chapters later, verses 1 through 9, um, they, they take it a little bit further in here. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Say to the people of Israel, Any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his peoples because he's given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and profane my holy name. Uh, here... Now, that's a specific thing that was going on where they were sacrificing to a literal God, little little g, okay? Um, So it doesn't transfer completely over here. But in it, we see that basically God is saying, man, those who want to do harm to children, it is just, it's a demonic force. It's, it's something that comes from not, not even the wickedness of mankind. It comes from even the Satan himself that would want an individual or a culture to, to press forward in, in allowing, allowing that. Um, God knows and loves the born children, those that are born. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that just talk about how God loves the children that are already born. Matthew 18, verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Guys, God loves Babies and he loves children. He loves them and he protects them. Um, my mom was a, a, a single mom and a widow for a while before my dad. My, he's my dad, but my stepdad before he came into our life when I was a boy. And she tells stories of how God just, he watched over her as a widow and watched over over us as kids, kids who didn't have dads. And, and uh, man, it's just amazing the things that God does. Um, for, for little ones and for, for children. And, and, and again, it, that's the reason why it should break our hearts when we see the travesties that take place uh, to those that are unborn and to those that are born, those that are children, those that are minors, those that are marginalized. Matthew nineteen fourteen, 14, uh, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples at that time, and they were, they were saying, You kids, leave them alone. Maybe he needed a rest break. Maybe they're looking out for him. But Jesus was saying, no, listen, man, I love, I love children. I mean, I don't know that I've seen a picture, a picture, a painting like this, but I mean, you can just imagine Jesus holding, holding some babies and, um, that you could see him maybe as some of the kids come up and just taking them and throwing them up in the air and, and catching them because he loves children. Jesus loves babies both born and unborn. Now, let's look at some scriptures, though, that not only did God love the unborn children, but he already knows them. He knows the unborn children. Psalm 139, 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it well. Listen to this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, 
intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was, there was none of them. And so the psalmist is telling us right here that, that God, he already knew and loved and already saw the entire life scope. Okay, Not the point in which it becomes a human being, but the entire life scope of this baby that's in the womb that God knew and was forming. It's very personal, um, the very intimate language that's being said about what you did for me when I was in my mother's womb. Look, look at the intimate language of God to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Not only does God know and love kids, but God, God already, already has calling upon kids. You know, that, that means you guys who are Christians, when you were in your mother's womb and, and you weren't already saved at that point, but God had already chosen you. He'd already set it up to where he knew the day in which there would be the external call of somebody sharing the gospel with you. And his internal call was going to come and whoa, it's going to grab your heart and birth you into the kingdom of God. He loved you at that point. Every baby that's out there, man, God, God has compassion and he loves these babies. God moved actually in the heart of a child in utero. Listen to the story of John the Baptist in his mama's belly when Mary walks up with Jesus in her belly, starting in uh, um, Luke 1, 39 to, to 41. Um, and I'm going to go backwards in, in this, but it sets the stage, first of all, what happened. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth had heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And if that's the only part that you, you read about what took place with John the Baptist in, in utero, it's like, well, okay, well, something really cool happened there. Um, first and foremost, though, God, God knew John uh, in there. But let's take it. Let's, we'll go backward in that chapter uh, to look at a prophecy um, that that was given to Zechariah, to the dad. Um, Luke 1, 13 to 15, the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, guys, that's some things that will stretch some doctrine right there to try to think through the ramifications of he was filled with the Holy Spirit already there. But you know what? God can do whatever he wants, all right? And he did. That was an unborn baby. This is not just, not just a fetus, not just an embryo, not just a bunch of cells. This was John. And God came in and he did a work in his heart, even there, even there. God loves babies, both born and unborn uh, it's abortion is it's an absolute travesty. It should not be winked at. Um, and what's as we process that there's there's people that are in in different camps that are in here or that are listening to this. And there's some of you that that you as as either the mom or the dad that you were a part of an abortion taking place. There's there's some of you that. 
in the future because of, because of mistakes, because of, of sin in your life. There will be pregnancies, and you will, you will be processing through this. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the difficulty of what do I do now? How do I save face? How do I keep my name from being ruined because of the way we've walked walk through this. Uh, there's some of you in here that you've got friends or family members that have already walked through this or they're going to walk through this. And so therefore you're going to be right there with them. And then there's just some of y'all that God is just saying, man, I want to, I just want to make a difference. I, I just want to, I want to love on, especially these ladies, but on the men too, the men are held just as accountable uh, as the ladies here. Um, but to where you're like, you know, I, I'd love to be a part of, of loving on these these men and loving on, especially these these ladies, to be a part of the rescue of of these children. Um, in in the film we heard just a little while ago that that um, was introduction to uh, um, um, introduction to um, choose life. Thank you, introduction to choose life. Uh, you heard not only about them about them. Um, having the difficulties, but about the gospel being shared with them and how God came and he captured their hearts. And for many of them, what they ended up doing is, is they ended up giving their babies up for adoption. And uh, I believe this is something that is strong on the heart of God because God is an adopting God. Every one of you were born as a creation and not a son or a daughter of God. And the only reason why that you're a Christian if you're in here is because God loved you so much that he came and he changed your heart and assisted you and helped you to be able to leap toward him and place your faith in him. And you, you became adopted as a son or as a daughter. God loves adoption. He loves taking those that are orphans, those that are helpless, those that are marginalized and making them his children. And I think that needs to be a strong pointer for us as we process abortion. Um, I hope that you can clearly hear me that this is not about the condemnation of, of, of men or women. Now, now also hear me. It is a travesty. It is murder when it takes place. And, and for any who've walked through that, you don't wink at that. You don't just say, well, okay, it's, it's, all, it's all all right. You, you need to wrestle with it. You need to have tremendous conviction to know the part that you played in, in the extinguishment of, of a baby. But the beauty in this is that as we, talk about, as we talk about the loss of sons and daughters, you know what's so ironic is the place of salvation, the place of rescue comes from a God who lost his own child. That his child was murdered his son was killed so that you could be forgiven. And so don't miss that. If you're, if you're a man in here, you're a woman in here, and this is something you've participated in, you need to be gripped by that. You need to, it needs to weigh upon you. But you need to know that you don't have to carry that weight. You can go to the cross because Jesus died for those sins. And he's the one that says, come to me. This is something that's making you weary and heavy burdened. I will give you rest because of what I did upon upon the cross. If you're a believer, if, if you're a believer in here and this is something in your past, 
this is something that you need, you need to attack, acknowledge, and put at the foot of the cross. You don't just need to let this thing simmer and let, let it to be a, a caustic cancer that will eat you up. You need to identify it. And that means that starts at the place of the word confession, that you confess it before the Lord. That instead of just trying to ignore it or run away from it, you identify it and you say, Jesus, I recognize it was sin. The taking of that life was sin. But Lord, I thank you that you are the one that has taken the sins upon the world, upon the, on, upon the cross, you took all of my sins. I confess this to you. I repent of these sins and I walk in the grace that's already been given to me. If, if you're in here and you're not a Christian, this would be a tremendous day to say, I've been waited for years or months or weeks in my life because of this. And for you to know that Jesus not only loves born and unborn babies, he loves you. He loves you. And that he was killed. And he took, he took the wrath of God so that you didn't have to go through it. Just don't ignore him. Surrender. Surrender to Jesus Christ. Um, some other action steps uh, for you guys to take, and in just a moment, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a, a couple of friends that um, that have that they uh, they've got some experience with infertility and um, and and toward adoption and to some of the other other action items, and uh, gonna do a little Q and A with them, uh, Jeff and Judy Webb, in a minute, and then uh, gonna have them pray over us. Uh, as well uh, with this, but if there, if you want to be a part of uh, of taking action um, at the level of you want information about abortion, or you want to assist those who have undesired pregnancies, um, choose lifehuntsville dot org. Choose lifehuntsville dot org, and that's right here locally that you can you can jump right in uh, and find out more about what they're doing. Also locally, at a different level. Uh, we have Lincoln Village Ministries and other organizations that help the poor and the marginalized because poverty many times plays a big part in abortions. And so the things that we can do in our own city to love our city and to, and to do the, take the little steps that we can to love, to love the poor, that that makes a difference as well uh, in, in the grander scope of, uh, of abortions. Um, now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that this is something that only takes place with those that don't have a lot of money. I mean, this is something wrong. I mean, this is lower class, middle class, upper class. This is a sin that happens at every level of, of education, race, and ethnicity. So don't miss that. Uh, we need to we need to make sure we own own that. Um, but but again, other areas we can jump in uh, at an international level. Um, Play, playing a difference, making a difference. Some places that we push people is toward uh, IJM, the International Justice Mission, as well as Compassion International, which Compassion is dealing with, with again, poverty uh, in third world countries and other places. And International Justice Ministry deals, deals with those that are trafficked and, and beyond. Jump in. Uh, if, you've, if you've had an abortion... Here's a couple of organizations that you can turn to. One's called Rachel's Vineyard, rachelsvineyard.org, and also safehavenministries.com, safehavenministries.com. 
Um, both of them are, are some places you can go or you can point a friend to if, if you find out they have had an abortion and you want to help them to be able to, to, to deal with this and to receive restoration in their own life. Um, let me pray for us, uh, and, and then I want to invite Jeff and Judy up uh, to do this. And, and as we do this, um, even before we pray, um, or as the beginning of this prayer, I want you all to kind of pray this song to me, uh, with me. Um, and it just says, uh, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. God, we declare that. We declare that uh, you love, you love children. You love babies that are born and unborn. And there are there are things there are things that you want to do. There's action steps that you want us to take. There are people that you want to help us to minister to. And there's some of us that need to be ministered to, Lord, because of our interactions with this this heavy topic of abortion, Lord. That God, we just need to we just need to hear from you, and we need to uh, uh, receive your touch. And so, bless us, and even bless this uh, next point of of Q and A in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, Jeff and Judy, if you guys come up, and uh, I'll. Uh, I'll stay right here, and you guys can just stand right there. And uh, my my first question um, is is for you, Judy. If um, from a Christian woman's standpoint, if you were speaking to to an, a lady who had had an abortion, what would what would you say? I would say, you know. Don't let this be something that you have hidden in a dark place in, their, in your life. Because as long as you leave that in that dark place and you don't share it and you don't confess it, like David was saying, um, it's going to have a hold on you and it's going to keep you in bondage. Uh, James chapter 5 says, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. And so, dear sister, as you confess this horrible time in your life to another friend, it is like saying, I have this hidden in this dark place. Let me bring it out into light. And then when I bring it out into light, it doesn't have power over me because together we can lay it at the foot of the cross. And you can take that thing that Satan meant for evil in your life and you can ask God to redeem even the hard places so that he can use you to bring life and peace and grace to somebody who maybe has walked that road and is dying inside and is contemplating suicide and is contemplating that they're never going to amount to anything because they did this thing when they were 15 years old and now it's... 35 they're still struggling with it and they don't understand why they're still struggling with it but see you might have a voice to say to them i've been there too and i've met the grace of jesus christ and i've laid it out on the table before him and i've been set free and god can take this hard place in your life and he can bring redemption to the broken awesome thanks girl Uh, and just addressing the the men as well and and there could there could be a, a man in here or it could be somebody's listening to this sometime in the future. Um, I just want to encourage you that you don't allow that cancer to stay inside. 
as, as Judy just mentioned, there is a freedom and a healing that God brings through confession, first of all to God, but also to others. Walking in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. That's uh, what First John tells us as well. And so any of you men that you're a part of this, man, don't, don't give yourself a pass because you know you can't. You know that the pain is still there for you as well. And so, and if any of us can be a part of that, um, uh, of, of processing that, we'd love to do that. Um, uh, Jeff and Judy, um, speak, speak as you guys would of just, just some, of the, some of the difficulties that, that, you, that you guys have had um, in, in, for pregnancy and, and uh, um, children and how, how that has led you toward heart for adoption. Just lost his voice, so he's kind of sounds kind of funny. <laughs> um, we, I was, I've, I've always been like a very optimistic girl. I'm sure if you know me, you know that about me. So I never thought that God would make it hard for us to have a family. In fact, I was like thinking, oh, we all probably get pregnant on our honeymoon, you know. And um, after three years of marriage, and we we still weren't pregnant, um, we had had some hard times. We had actually gone through fertility treatment. And it was the first time in my life that was on birth control um, because they had so overstimulated my ovaries that um, I had to go on birth control to settle things down. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm 34 years old. I've never been on birth control. And now that I'm trying to have a baby, I'm on birth control. <laughs> so it, it, it's just, um, it was a bit of a roller coaster. But in all of that time, God had given me a, a dream and... Um, a literal dream, like I had a dream. And in the dream, I had a baby who has blonde, who had blonde curly hair and blue eyes. And he was about 18 months old in the dream. And, and he told me, he said, I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to put a note in your pocket. And um, that baby is, if you've known, I mean, Zach's hair is darkening now, but um, it looked just like Zach when he was 18 months old. Like, so, so God had given me this dream. He had given me hope, kind of like he gave to Abraham and Sarah. You will have a child someday. And we did, and we do. And, and yet we want more children. So now we're, um, we're looking into—we're uh, actually going to be foster parents. We're, like, weeks away from being approved to be foster parents in our city. And, you know, I just think that as people who love Jesus— you know, and we look in the church, and there's a lot of closed wombs in the church. I mean, it's just, I know many people who struggle with infertility. And, and you may think, well, well, God, why have you closed so many wombs? Well, there's so many babies that are out there that need the church. And for me, it was an awakening because David continued, like, he would always send us these prayers, like, we're praying that God would open your womb and that you would adopt. And I was like, I'll pray that first part of prayer with you, David, but I'm kind of mad at you for the second part. And, um, and, and he prayed that prayer for us for several years. And over years, God did give us that heart, you know, to say, wait a second. If the one thing that God asks us to do as a church is to take care of widows and orphans, if that is our one act of religion, shouldn't we be doing it? Shouldn't it be our heartbeat? Maybe there wouldn't be so many abortions if the mommies and the daddies in the church, if the, if the couples in the church, if the singles in the church said, wait a second, 
I have the love of Christ in me. I can be a rescuer. I can be a hero. I can be someone who goes in and says, let me love this baby that God is growing in your womb. Let me take this baby into my home and make this baby my own. Y'all, this is not, this is not a government thing. This is our problem. This is our, this is something that we as a church need to say, hey, wait a second. This many millions of babies have been killed? This is our deal. We need to be the voice for the unborn baby. We need to be the home willing to say, come, let me care for you. To this 15-year-old mom who's, who's pregnant, come, let me care for you. Let me, let me walk alongside you as I follow Jesus. Let me invite you into my world and open up my home. And, and for me, for, for us, like in, in fostering children... My end game is not just to have a bigger family, but my end game is to see families reconciled and brought to peace and brought to love. And, and, and if that means we have children that come into our home that go back, you know, my prayer is for their family to come to know the love of Jesus and that for the moments that we have with whoever comes into our home, that we could pour as much grace and love into them and truth as we possibly can, that we can make the most of every moment. Now, this is our deal as a church. This is, who else is going to do it? We're supposed to do it. It's the one thing we're supposed to do. Like, this is your religion, that you love the widows and the orphans. Anyway, I'm starting to preach now. It's, yeah, it's, been, it's been interesting the last uh, few years to see uh, those that have struggled with having children and how some of them God has given, given them children, and there's been several of lost children as well. And um, but how God has really, I think, stirred up that spirit of adoption, whether it be fostering or adopting. And I mean, I look around and I know there's a lot of y'all that you're considering or pursuing, and it's just a beautiful concept. And uh, so, um, what I'd like for you guys to do, uh, Jeff, if you'll start out, and, and Judy, if you'll close, just pray over us uh, with. Just this issue that is a statewide, nationwide thing, but especially for um, God's heart for for us. And then I'll, I'll come back up and lead us in communion. Uh, Father, we Father, we come to you, and um, we just ask for your uh, your mercy and your um, grace upon us, God, and. We ask that you would lead us as a church body, um, as your body, your hands and feet, God. You, you came here and um, entrusted us with uh, a mission, God, to, uh, to spread the good news about you and your love and your sacrifice and your redemption, God. And I ask you would help us to do that. And when, when you were here, God, you continually reminded us to... Um, take care of the widows and the orphans, to um, take care of the needy, the poor. Um, and God, I ask that you would help us to be the church, help us to do that. I, um, throughout the generations, the church has has done that, God, has, has been a light in the darkness, has been the ones to take care of the um, of the poor and of the, the orphans and the widows, those um, the less powerful, God, that the church is taking care of those. 
And I feel like um, we started to drop the ball on that, God, that we've started to believe that it's uh, maybe the government's job or somebody else's job. And we complain, we complain about the way they're trying to do the job. They're not being effective and they're not um, um, it's just a hard thing, God, and, to do. And, and, and that's because you've designed it for your church, for your um, church to take care of those, God, to show your love and, and to do that. And we need to do that, God, and step up and, and take our role. Um, and God, we ask that you would begin that here within, uh, within our family, within our uh, church, our journey group. Um, but within your church, God, we, we ask that you would begin that and that we see a movement, especially in the city, God, of just the church taking care of um, those who need you the most. And as if there, there would just be an amazing thing that happens and that you would um, just make it so amazing that the, the, um, the state doesn't really have much to do anymore, God, that the church will do that job. Father, I thank you that today is a day where we remember that life is holy and special, it's precious, that it's a gift from God, that we're created in your image, that um, my identity and my value doesn't come whether or not people want me, but that it comes in knowing that you um, created me uh, fearfully and wonderfully made, that you um, have numbered the hairs in our heads, that you know the words that we're going to speak. Father, I pray that you would help us to value life like that. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for... um, moms in our city who are pregnant and are considering abortion. Father, I pray that you would speak truth to them. I pray that you would embrace them with the, with the light of your love and your gospel. I ask for um, divine encounters with godly women and men who can encourage them to um, see their baby born and, and, and to either keep their baby or to give their baby to a family who would love their baby well. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, that you would rescue a life today. Father, that you would save a life today. And, and Father, I don't know what you're going to do with our country. I don't know what sort of judgment we deserve. But, Father, I pray that you would give us another chance as a church to stand up for the unborn, that you would give us another chance as a church to stand up for family, to stand up for, um, for truth. Lord, I pray um, that you would give us wisdom and direction and help us to see that we actually can help people who are hurting, that we actually can bless um, the brokenhearted. Father, I pray for women in the church who, um, who you've, you've closed their wombs. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would be opened. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that babies would be born to families in our community that thought they were never going to get pregnant again, that thought that it was impossible, where people said it wouldn't happen. Father, I pray for miracle babies. I pray for miracle babies who would be raised to be godly men and women, um, champions of the gospel. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would um, let Wesley and Monica conceive a baby. Father, I pray that their children would be as beautiful as they are. Father, I pray that you would, um, for, for all of us, for me and Jeff, for others, Lord, that you would um, let us conceive again, that you would build our families, that families would be exactly what they're meant to be. Father, I pray through adoption that you would let us adopt um, children into our families who, who you're uh, preparing a place for them, Father, for families in here that are looking into um, adoption. Lord, I pray that you would give uh, 
peace. Father, I pray that those little long babies that are in Africa right now in Jesus' name would be kept safe and pure. Father, that you would protect them from the enemy. Father, that they would come home soon. Lord, um, for that little girl that may be added to a group of three boys, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would um, keep her safe. Lord, for... um, God, I just... I just pray that you would help us to see what you're doing and that you would give us the grace to join you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, thanks for sharing from your own story of what, how God's moved powerfully. And, and God has done some miraculous things um, in people's lives. And just know that he's working even even in us today. Um, Judy, uh, if you'd stand back up again, and Karen Burke, if you'd stand up, Danielle, if you'd stand up. These are um, three leading ladies that that if you la- if any lady here, if uh, y'all can sit back down, thank you. If any of you ladies uh, need to process any of this stuff with, grab grab one of these ladies, and uh, we uh, we want you to to know how loved you are by Christ and loved by by us, and uh, be able to process through these things. Um, uh, Jeff, Luke, Dave, if you guys stand up for just a second. These are uh, the men and servant leadership team. And uh, Jeff, I think, stepped out. Oh, no, there he is. Yeah. Um, men, if you need to process through these things, grab grab one of us. Grab one of these men. And uh, we don't have all the answers, but Jesus does. And we'll walk with you. Thanks, guys. Um, here's what we want to do now. We want to end this time by remembering grace. That That through all of this... The, what brought freedom and ransom to us is that Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, was killed. He was killed so that we could be free. And so uh, I know Danielle and I, we're going to be at a table here. And I'm, I forget which other couple is going to be over here serving, uh, serving communion uh, in just a moment. Uh, if you're new to this process... You just need to be a believer. If you're not a believer, you don't want to do this because by this you're proclaiming you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it has changed your life. Um, and But for those of you who are believers, just come. You'll take the bread, and you'll dip it either in the juice or in the wine as you choose. And, uh, man, just either get alone or you can get together in a group or as a family, whatever it might be. And uh, just thank God for his tremendous grace. Jesus said, take, take, this, take this bread. It's my body, which is broken for you, and eat it. He said, take this cup, which is my blood spilled out for you, and drink it. And that's what we do. We remember that. And so, Lord, I do declare uh, over us, Lord, that, that we are here because of the beauty of adoption and how great of a love that you have um, for us. Uh, for orphans, even the spiritual orphans, Lord. And so guide us, Lord. Help us to really contemplate this. Help us not only to be moved emotionally, Father, but show us what part we're supposed to play. We celebrate you, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. The tables are open.